briefly. Uh, Y'all believe me, right? Short and brief. Uh, I'm wearing my Christmas tie because I never wear ties except at funerals and weddings. And this uh, Christmas tie, not really for either one of those, so I decided to wear my Christmas tie tonight. But we're going to read the Christmas story. You know, we watch the Christmas movies. How many of y'all, you love to watch Christmas movies? Anybody? We watch them in July. I mean, you know, we love Christmas movies. Uh, they just don't have any where they're wearing shorts, Crocs, and T-shirts on those movies. They're all snow and everything. And, and uh, you know, we'll, we, we, we wake up Christmas Day, and it comes and goes, and sometimes we never, never, ever actually sit down and read or listen to this Christmas story. As in, as in the Bible, you know, we, we drive by nativity scenes. We keep trying to buy one at, on sale at Home Depot or Lowe's or somewhere, you know, the year after so we can use it the next year. Uh, but, you know, you, how many of you saw the nativity, the movie, and here's a scene from that? Well, I grew up with nativity scenes, and this next slide shows one. This is what I grew up with. Our church, every year, would do a live nativity. That's a real donkey. Those are real sheep. We had birds out there sometime. We didn't have a camel, but we had something that looked like a camel. And, uh, and um, kind of like I was, at, I, was at, I was asking one of the deputies at the jail, I said, what are y'all serving for dinner tonight? And he said, something that looks like meat. So this was something that looked like a camel. Is it emu or something like that? But anyway, uh, and so, you know, we had all kinds of fun. Every now and then one of those sheep would get loose and run for blocks, and somebody would have to go chase it. And uh, you, usually you could, uh, you know, I've been out there standing as a shepherd uh, on bricks that were warmed over a floor furnace. I've stood out there as a shepherd when I was sweating bullets, you know, just like we are right now. But this was part of my growing up. It was always a focus, and, and, and it was a big deal when you got to go be like, you know, the grown-ups got to do shepherds and wise men. And the kids, we all had to, be, when you're little, you got to be an angel. I hated being angels. Because I'm not an angel. Wasn't then, you know. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, but we had fun doing this. So we want to hear, uh, you know, about the birth of Jesus. I mean, I think it's, it's important. So we're going to look at, as, as best I can, all four Gospels and kind of go through that. Each Gospel gives us a different piece of the narrative puzzle. Now, when you see the chosen, you'll see Luke is collecting the stories. And we're, I'm going to talk about that a little bit. As we go through here, but each Luke gospel gives us a different picture. Matthew and, and Luke kind of include the baby part. Mark and John don't. So let's let's start with Mark, and and Mark one one. It says, "In the beginning, or the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God." He just gets right to it. He said, "Here's the beginning about Jesus." He doesn't mention Mary and Joseph, uh, you know, and all the other parts of the story we're used to hearing. He's just off and running with an account of John the Baptist's mission. That's where he goes from here. And his ministry to prepare the way for Jesus. And John, in the, in the Gospel of John, he doesn't tell us anything about what happened, but he tells us why it happened. And, and that's important. Uh, you know, when Jesus was dying on the cross, he tells John to look at Mary. He said, treat her like your mother. And he says, looks at Mary and says, look, here's your son. Treat him like a son. And tradition has it that John took care of her. And and, uh, and so we don't know if that's for sure, but, but that's what tradition has. And, and so John was by far the youngest of the disciples. He's the only disciple to live to a ripe old age. The rest of them died young uh, by execution in one way or another. So let's look at what John said. He would say stuff like this, John 1.1. 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. Whenever you see that Word with a capital W, that's talking about who? 
Jesus, pre-existent Jesus. Jesus was not created at the birth that we celebrate. And Jesus has always been. He's God. He, he's the word that always has been and always will be. And so he's pre-existent to what we know or see him as a baby. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. And, and uh, in other words, he's saying, you know, God's the one making an appearance here. Look what he says in verse 14. John's an old man, and he's looking back, and he's, he's, he's saying the things that are important that you need to hear. He said, the word became what? Flesh. That means he came into our world and was born. He, he became one of us. We call it the incarnation. He said, the word became flesh and made his dwelling. He lived among us. He said, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I mean, he, man, he, he's saying in case... You don't read the whole thing. Here, here it is. The Word, God, Emmanuel, God with us, He became flesh. God showed up in a body and He lived among us. And, and in John 1, 9, He said, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The true light, the light of the world that gives us light came into the world. I mean, He just he goes past the what to the why. This is why Jesus came. He's saying on that first Christmas, God gave us all a gift. And the true light was the gift that was for everyone. The true light that was for everyone was Jesus coming into the world. He came to light up everyone's life, which we know uh, as we grow in our relationship with him means that we begin to understand that relationship and we allow his light to shine through us. And we understand, we understand things now that the disciples didn't understand. Because we've got the Word of God, we've got history, we've got the Holy Spirit that He sent to teach us, and we begin to understand things. And, it, and, it, and as we read the Scripture, we can go, oh, wow. Anybody besides me ever have those oh, wow moments? On a Scripture you've read a hundred times, right? I mean, you go, oh, wow, I didn't see that before. Or I didn't know we were supposed to, you know, so. And then you start doing it, hopefully. But that's the thing that makes John's gospel so different. He gets, he gets personal. Look what he said in verse 12 of, of chapter 1. Yet to all who did receive him. Now that receive him he's talking about is, is, is you know, you, you've never met somebody, so you receive him. He, you know, how do you receive somebody you've never met? How do you, you know, he, he, he connects it by doing this. He said those who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And what he's saying there is as you receive him as your Savior, in other words, as you trust him with your life, as you trust him for your salvation, that, that believe in is, is a couple of Greek words that aren't used together, and, uh, and it, it means to trust in Jesus' name. So as you trust your life in Jesus' name, it's not believe like, hey, I believe the saints are going to get killed this Sunday. I mean, you know, they got nobody left that doesn't have COVID or anything like that, and, and uh, hopefully that statement just made them all mad, and they'll play good Sunday night. But anyway, uh, you know, but, but you know, he said, you got to trust him. you got to trust him. You receive him. You believe in him. And he said, then you have the right to become children of God. He gets personal. He makes Christmas personal. When you receive him, you become part of the family. And, uh, and so, you know, that's what John wants us to know. He wants us to know it's more than a story. It's about you having a relationship with him. John, you know, if you wanted to know the why, why did we why do we celebrate Christmas? John gives it to us. And he gives it to us several places. Look at John 20 verse 31. He said, "But 
and he just says it, gets right to it at the end of his gospel. He said, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. He says right before that, he said, Jesus did many more miracles than what he's written about. So we read the scripture and say, well, he did a lot of miracles. No, he did way more. John says that all the, all the libraries in the world wouldn't hold all the miracles that Jesus did. He said, but these are written... So that you believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He included the ones. So he got right to the point. These are included. He's looking back over it. And he's looking back over years of of the church exploding in his relationship with Jesus. And he's saying, these things are written so that you can have a relationship with Jesus. That's it. That's why Jesus came. John wanted you and I to know that these things did happen. But more than that. He wants you and I to have the same kind of relationship with Jesus that he had. He wants us to have that relationship. Now look, it took the disciples a while. It took them three years to figure it out. You know, most of the time the disciples were going throughout ministry with Jesus and they were thinking at some point this dude is fixing to get rid of Caesar. He's fixing to get rid of the Romans. He's going to restore Israel to his greatest. And, uh, and, And he just, that wasn't why he came. And so John is talking about the why. It took him a while to get it together. And, and you know what? Don't we usually have the wrong agenda with Jesus as well? We want Jesus to bless what we're doing, you know, and not, Lord, what do you want me to do? We want Jesus, well, well Jesus, here's what I'm doing today. Would you bless it? Instead of, Lord, what do you need me to do today? And, uh, and so we, we often have that wrong agenda as well. And we've got to realize Jesus didn't come to be a culture warrior. Man, do we ever need to realize that today. He is not here to be a culture warrior. He, he, he didn't even come really to heal people of sicknesses. He came to be the Savior of the world. He came to save us from our sins. And, uh, and so we've got to understand that. John, John would say, and he, he would say, listen, if you're struggling, keep asking the question. If you're struggling, keep knocking on the doors. Keep, keep, uh, keep searching. Keep seeking. And, uh, and, and, and don't get confused about what Christmas is about. Christmas is about God sent Jesus here to earth to be your personal Savior and Lord. So let's go back and look at the narrative. So Luke, and he'll talk about this in the, in the movie Chosen. He said, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who were from the first were, were first eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. And so in, in the Chosen movie, they show how that might have looked. It's so cool because you got Luke and he's talking to Mary, he's talking to Peter, he's talking to all the disciples, getting, getting what they, you know, their eyewitness accounts of what happened. And that's, he's written a great account of what's happened, so we're going to get into that. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that's Mary's cousin, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, it says Mary was greatly troubled. Why was she greatly troubled? Because this angel just appeared and, and, and said, greetings. I mean, listen, everywhere in the scripture, you know, when, 
When you see people say, oh, yeah, I saw an angel. It's no big deal. Everywhere in the Bible somebody sees an angel, they're either falling on their face because they think they're about to die. They're worshiping. And it's a big deal when an angel shows up. So Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. Every time they show up, that's one of the first things they have to say. Do not be afraid. Let me tell you, you would feel that same way too if a big old angel showed up. I had a friend of mine, he was a minister in Namibia, Africa. And they were out in the, in the wild, and they were in a camp. And, uh, and one of the guys went to the outhouse outside, and he never came back. And uh, they had prayed that night that the Lord would encamp angels about them because they had already had kind of an attack against them. And, and they went looking for the guy, and he was still in the outhouse. They said, why didn't you come back? He said, he said I wasn't going past that big old angel. He said, there was an angel by the door with his sword drawn. And he wasn't going past that angel. He was, he was scared. And, and even though God had sent that angel to protect them. So angels showing up are a big deal, y'all. They're a big deal. And uh, he said, so don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. Now, for a 13-year-old girl, that may not be what she wanted to hear. And you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him a throne, the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, we know that what the angel said was going to happen, happened because we've got 2,021 years of that kingdom going on, the church. He's not talking about a political kingdom. He's not talking about the United States. He's not even talking about Israel. He's talking about the kingdom of God, and we're part of that. So let's go back, flip over to Matthew for a minute. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now that pledge, they were legally married, but they couldn't come together as husband and wife for a year. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So, I mean, you know, this was a bad deal. Uh, you know, back then, you, if you showed up pregnant and not married... They executed you, okay? There is a, and it's still the law in that area. You can, you can be stoned to death for that. So if he accused her of adultery, she would have been killed. And, and can you imagine his thoughts? He's got this wife he's wanting to marry. She's pure, he thought, and, and all this. And she says, you know, I'm pregnant and I didn't do anything. Now let me just ask any of y'all that have children. If your child, your daughter came and said, Mom, I'm pregnant, but I didn't do anything. How many of you going to believe that? Mary's mama didn't either. I mean, I can promise you, you know. And so, uh, you know, but, but here, look what happened after this. Joseph decided he was going to divorce her quietly. He's going to, he's going to, you actually, when you were engaged, had to go through a divorce at that time. So Joseph was going to divorce her quietly. He just put her away. And in verse 20, it says, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. And look what he said. Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now look, they didn't know what the Holy Spirit was at that point. They worshiped God. The Lord your God is one God. They had no concept of the Holy Spirit or God the Son. But he's from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus. And so Joseph took her in. Now, you know, just think about it. Now he's, at this point, he has said this. He said, and you're to give him the name Jesus. Now, Jesus 
the, it was the word for warrior, for deliverer, Yahshua, Joshua. And so the Jews were expecting a cross between Moses and Joshua, a great military leader, to deliver them from Roman oppression. And so the, he's thinking, yeah, we're part of the answer here, you know. And, and just think of all the things. I mean, you know, we kind of put halos on everybody, but he had to have all kinds of thoughts going through his mind. And then all of a sudden the angel said, you'll call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That wasn't what they were expecting from the Messiah. They were expecting a military king, you know. And so, uh, but the agenda they had for the Messiah was different than what God's agenda was. So Joseph told Mary, you'll have a son. He's going to save the people from the thing they needed saving from the most, and that's our sin. That's what I needed saving from the most. That's what you need to be saved from the most is our sin. And so look what Matthew said. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. Now, let me just ask. If a big old angel shows up and tells you something to do, are you going to do it? I am. I would, I think. I mean, I would. And he took Mary home as his wife. And so that's, that's what Joseph did. He obeyed what the angel did. Now, people began to look at him differently. He took her as his wife. She's pregnant. Everybody knows the law. For a year, they can't have sex. They can't come together as husband and wife. And, and so for a year, but she's kind of starting to get big, you know. And, I mean, she's starting to show. And, and, and people are going to look at them differently. They probably lost friends. And, and, uh, and one of my favorite scenes in the nativity movie, Joseph and Mary are leaving town to go to Bethlehem. And, and, and all the people are just scowling at them. And he looks at Mary and says, yeah, they're going to miss us. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, and, and so um, he, I guess it would give them, they'd have to find somebody else to talk about, you know. But uh, so, you know, he took her in. It's a big deal to do that. Verse, Luke chapter 2, verse 1, it says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that the census would be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, look, Caesar Augustus was the first Roman emperor who actually kind of became king and dictator and all. Before that, it was a republic. Augustus changed all that. goes on in verse 3. It said, And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Now look, Caesar sends out this, this order for everybody to go back to their hometown to register uh, you know, not for a draft, but for taxes. He was going to raise the taxes, okay? And he wanted to get a count of everybody, do a census. And so Joseph was from Bethlehem, so they had to go back. Now, uh, you know, the prophets predicted the Messiah would be from Bethlehem. And, uh, and so think about it. God used Caesar, a godless ruler, to get Mary and Joseph in the right place. He'll use godless rulers today to get people in the right place. He might be a godless boss, but it's going to get you in the right place. It, you know, whatever it is, God's going to do there. So it says he went there to Bethlehem to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Now think about it. Mary's about nine months pregnant. She's riding on a donkey. I mean, that's not comfortable. That's not comfortable if you're not pregnant, okay? And, and, and so, you know, you see people... You know, we, we've been to the Holy Land a couple of times. I've, I've ridden horses. I've never ridden a donkey, but I rode a camel. They make that look real easy on TV and in the movies. It is not, and it's not a smooth ride either. And, uh, and, but she's on this donkey, and they're going through, you know, about 80 miles, uh, and it's not a comfortable ride. 
And, uh, and so, but they get there. And, uh, and so it's dangerous also traveling. So they probably were in a group. So anyway, they're going from, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. Now, that's key because it, it calls him her firstborn. I don't know if everybody realizes this or not. Jesus had brothers and sisters, or half-brothers and sisters. Joseph was their father. Joseph was not Jesus' father. The Bible names his brothers and refers to his sisters. And the Greek word there is actually a Greek word that says brother from the same mother. And, and so it's very detailed in that. So he had, he's the firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And look, look what it says next. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And look what it says. They were terrified. <laughs> Once again, guys, when people talk real casually about seeing God or seeing an angel... I'm really doubtful of that because everywhere in Scripture, they, they know they're on holy ground. They know that, that you know, Isaiah said, I, I'm a sinful person. You know, I mean, you know, he thought he was going to die. I mean, everybody that's, even Peter, when he first realized who Jesus was, I'm a sinful man. You know, and, and so here, you know, the shepherds were in the fields nearby. They were terrified. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever wondered why shepherds? I mean, I don't really know why other than they were the outcast of society. I mean, they were ceremonially unclean, and they probably smelled bad. They're walking around with a bunch of sheep, and they're stepping on stuff that come out of sheep. So, I mean, you know, they're, they're smelly people. I mean, they can't go in the temple and worship or any of that kind of stuff. And, uh, and so they're outcasts. And, and yet God chose to announce the birth of the Savior of the world to who? Shepherds. Dirty, nasty, ceremonially unclean. Interestingly, when Jesus was raised from the dead, the first person he told to go tell his disciples was a woman. Really kind of countercultural to what a lot of people think, isn't it? And so this angel appeared to these shepherds, and, uh, and so the, the shepherds, uh, you know, when the angel said to them, don't be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. That probably relieved them a little bit. They, at least they knew they weren't in trouble. And then he said this, the angel did. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. And, uh, and he's basically saying, look, guys, I'm telling y'all, he's been born to you. To you. You who are outcasts. You who have sheep stuff on your shoes. And, and, and you who stink because you've been in the field. Jesus has been born for you. See, their idea would have been he's born for the Pharisees, the rich, the, the, you know, all these people. The angel said, he's been born for you. He said, he is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. And here's, in other words, here's how you'll know. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels left and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Hey, guys, let's go to Bethlehem and see what this thing is that has happened. And, and this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Here's, here's what we need. Here's what I want you to understand why we're Christians. If you're, if you're watching tonight or if you're here and you're not a Christian, here's why we're Christians. We're not Christians because of, of a church. 
We're not Christians even because of the Bible. We're Christians because something happened. We're Christians because something happened. He said, the, 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 the shepherd said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. You see, something happened. What happened was, is God became man for us. And, and, and God grew up as a man and walked this earth as a man named Jesus and lived a life and died on a cross and paid the price for our sins and was resurrected three days later and was ascended into heaven uh, later and then came and he's coming back. And I think it's going to be sooner than later, y'all. And so, he, you know, something happened. That's why we're here. Because something happened. A, a, a wonderful Glorious thing has happened. The Savior was born. The Savior was born. It says, so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. They're probably amazed that it was shepherds saying it and at what they were saying because they were saying, hey, look, the Son of God has been born. Jesus, the Messiah, the the Savior of the world has come. The angels told us who he was. And, there, and there, I mean, imagine if somebody walked in here saying all that stuff. It'd be kind of like, okay. You know, and they were saying this stuff. They were announcing the arrival. I love it. The first evangelists were shepherds. But they went around telling everybody, listen, when you really encounter Jesus, that's what you do. I can, I, you know, when I first encountered Jesus, I couldn't wait to get to school the next day and tell my friends. That's what happens when we encounter Jesus. We can't wait to tell everyone. But it says Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. See, Mary remembered the things like most moms do. You know, I mean, you know, moms keep that kind of stuff, right? My mother a few years ago brought a little box. I said, what's in the box? She had my little baby shoes and a little blanket and stuff like that she had saved. I I still hadn't been able to throw it away. But anyway, I, I will eventually, but... She had all that stuff. See, Mary, Mary probably kept Jesus' little stuff. His little, I imagine she probably kept that, that cloth they had him wrapped in in that manger, you know, and stuff like that. And, and, and that's what it says. She treasured these things in her heart. Let me tell you. You know, she was an unwed teenage mom at that time. And so there wasn't a whole lot of love coming from people that knew him initially. But, you know, uh, but, you know I believe they probably tried to give Jesus as normal a life as possible. Can you imagine? It's like Steve's song, Joseph. How do you how do you raise the Son of God? I mean, it's like okay, all right. What about what happens if you have to give the Son of God a spanking? <laughs> Jesus probably never needed a spanking, but anyway. But see, he was born. My mama never remembered giving me a spanking once I had a grandchild. You know, grandchild. And I spanked her in front of her. She said, I wish you could be little again. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, they, they forget. I, we know how y'all are. And, uh, you know, but so about 33 years after this Christmas story, Mary would watch her firstborn son die on a cross. She'd peer into an empty tomb later on. And then she'd be embraced by a resurrected son who she knew without a shadow of a doubt in that moment, was in fact who the angels told her about. He was the Savior of the world. But he wasn't just the Savior of the world. He was her Savior. And he can be your Savior and my Savior. Look what John says in chapter 3, verse 16. He said, For God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. See, Jesus came for us to have eternal, abundant life. We just have to believe in him. That's the Christmas story. God loved and God gave. God loved and God gave. And on that first Christmas, God gave so that whoever, that's you and me, whoever believes in, trusts in, we won't perish, but we'll have eternal life. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being the one that wrote that? He's 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 too old, and you know he's older. He's he, they've tried to kill him already. He's about to die. Probably wonders if anybody will ever read it. And here, over two thousand years later, that's the best known scripture in the world. John three sixteen. John three sixteen. But he didn't stop there. Look at verse seventeen. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Jesus came to save us from our sins. That's why he came. That's Christmas. That's why we celebrate. Because the angels were right. They were right when they told Mary and Joseph and the shepherds that God was sending a Savior into the world not to condemn it, but to save it. And in spite of what you think you might want or need, that Apple or Amazon or anybody might have, God knows what we need the most is a personal Savior, I want you to bow your heads just for a moment. See, we need that personal Savior. We need to know deep in our hearts that God loved. See, one time I came to the conclusion and the realization that God loved Robert so much that he gave Robert his one and only son. Put your name in that verse, and he came for you. And if you don't know him, I want to give you an opportunity to know him. I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus. How do you receive him? You do that through a prayer where you ask him to come into your life, to forgive you of your sin, and to be your Savior and your Lord. And it involves, you know, it involves reaching out to God. It involves inviting him in and turning from your way of living to his way. So just pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. And I need the Savior. Jesus, I need you to be my personal Savior. Come into my life. Forgive me of all my sin. Give me the power to live for you each and every day so that I can live with you forever. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, I believe if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, that Jesus just came into your heart and he will fill you with his presence. Now, here's the thing. You want to grow. And we want you to, we, that's what we want to help you with here at River Church. We've got literature we can give you, but we believe as you plug in, you can grow in your, in your relationship with the Lord. And we're going to close out by singing Silent Night, right? Yes, Silent Night. I'm going to give the mic back to... My wife, who can sing better than me. And uh, let me just say a prayer for you real quick, for those of you who, whether you're online or you're in this room. So, Father, I, you know who prayed that prayer and meant it in their heart. And so, God, I just pray for anyone who really reached out to you just then, or maybe they've been drifted off and they said, God, I want to get back 